What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 118 of the Masterclass. My name is Cam. I am joined across this lovely table by my good and lovely friend, Mr. David Jacobus Hogue. That's a terrible fake middle name. Yeah. Charlemagne. That's your name. Yes. David Charlemagne Hogue. Charlemagne the second. Yes, indeed. Ooh, the second. What's up? How are you? I am well. It's good to be back uh, together again and just enjoy. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to our discussion tonight. So, yeah, it's, you know, uh, not at all a difficult passage or not one that. I, why am I? I was this way earlier with your daughter and, and her friend out there. Mm-hmm. I was being very sarcastic and dumb and there's no reason to be <laughs> it's, it is what it is. It's Romans. It's difficult. We're talking about the, the collision of Christianity and Judaism in mm-hmm. Paul's day and how that all shakes out. And we've talked about this in previous episodes where we talked about, do you know, Christians need to be circumcised or uncircumcised and is that a physical thing or a spiritual thing? And uh, we're going through acts and church right now. And a lot of that is, you know, Paul doing his thing and Peter doing his thing and then them coming to, you know, butting heads a few times. Um, so it's, it is, uh, yeah, it's a very interesting, um, discussion. It's very important for us to understand the, uh, the way that justification actually works, right? That's what we talked a lot about last episode and even the episode before that. Um, is what justification is, what, what it accomplishes, how it's accomplished, why it's just this crazy, unbelievable thing that, that God has done through Jesus. Um, and so we're going to kind of get into some specifics about justification and faith and Abraham as the example that Paul chooses in this passage. So, um, I do want to say one thing really quick, uh, my, we got some follow-up. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, we got some follow-up from my sister, Rachel. Awesome. Uh, patron and uh, very, 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 very occasional co-host. <laughs> <laughs> I, but I think she holds the record for doing it the most. Oh, she's done it twice. <laughs> so, yeah, she holds the record as the most prolific of all the co-hosts we've had. All, what, four of them? Three of them? Yeah. Her, Dan, and Caroline, right? Yeah. Are the only three? Yes. And she wanted some clarification on last episode, uh, talking about, uh, you brought up the point or you brought up a point about, uh, old Testament, um, heroes is the phrase, but like big, big people from the old Testament Mm -hmm. and the idea that they were blessed by God if their life was kind of going well. Mm -hmm. And I responded with, well, like, Job is the obvious that doesn't make sense because his life was going just fine. And then it all went, mm-hmm. you know, and then I mentioned uh, David and Joseph and Abraham and she wanted clarification about what I meant when I mentioned those people. She's like, well, okay, Joseph. Yeah. But David and Abraham, like they didn't have anything that happened to them. That wasn't their own fault. Essentially, you know, the whole like Bathsheba thing. And the dead baby after that, like that's on David, right? Mm-hmm. It wasn't, I mean, it was God judging them, but it wasn't God judging them unfairly. And so, uh, I responded just as, as a bit of clarification and hopefully this helps, you know, uh, uh, some other listeners uh, what I meant to say, which I didn't, because oftentimes when I am, you know, just running my mouth, <laughs> not everything I want to say comes out the way I want it to come out. 
so, um, you know, obviously Joseph gets sold by his brothers into slavery and then gets wrongfully imprisoned because he does not, you know, get down with Potiphar's wife in the way that she would have liked. Right. So doing the right thing, being an upstanding, you know, God fearing man who winds up in prison, in prison after being sold into slavery. Um, David gets pretty much attacked and hunted by Saul because Saul doesn't want to lose his, you know, spot or his place on the throne. So again, David does nothing wrong, honors God, does, you know, the things that God wants him to do, but he's being attacked and even hunted throughout the land by this crazy king. And then Abraham, well, he had to sacrifice his son and God comes in at the last second. And so like, obviously Abraham is the weak link in that. I should have said uh, Moses, who doesn't get to go to the <laughs> promised land, or Hosea, who has to, you know, be married to a prostitute, as like the ultimate um, word picture of what God feels like with us, with which us. is like right. oh, so sad, yeah, and awful. Um, so, thanks to Rachel for writing in and for asking for some clarification, and sorry that I did not, uh, I don't know, provide that last week in more. Uh, more color, I suppose. So yeah, we've had follow up. We haven't had that in a long time. That makes me happy. So, cheers, cheers. <laughs> so I guess um, I zoned out there. So what was the clarif- oh great? What was the clarification? I said that oftentimes the big characters in the Old Testament tend to get the shaft. It's like the exact words I used. Mm-hmm but I did not explain what I meant by that. And so she wanted clarification about what I meant by them getting the shaft. So it's kind of un. So in response to you saying in the old Testament, it seems like living a godly life was rep was reflected in how your earthly life was going. And so my response was like, I don't think that's the case. I got you. Okay. Job, David, Joseph, Abraham, show otherwise Abraham, not the best example. Moses Hosea would have been better examples. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So just clarification on what I meant by getting the shaft and <laughs> cause I realized that could mean a number of things depending on the context. Um, so yeah. Anyways, just clarifying a, a response to your point that was not clear. Gotcha. And now hopefully it is clear as mud. <laughs> hopefully. Anyways, uh, yeah, there's that. Thanks. If you guys want to write in, uh, you can do that too. We'd love to hear from you. If you're uh, listening on your phone, you can just go to your show notes and just scroll. That's the noise of scrolling. I hope you know that. And my, my scroll doesn't make any noise. Well, you probably have your noises turned <laughs> off. <laughs> and there's email and Twitter links to get either at Dave or me or both of us via the email. And we would love to hear you and your thoughts and your opinions. And uh, we'd love to interact that way. And we'd love to get your, uh, you know, get your thoughts on the show because we don't know everything. Absolutely. There's a lot we don't know. There's a lot we can learn from you. And there's a lot that our listeners could learn from you as well. So there's that. Yes. I feel right. like we haven't plugged that in a while. Nope. Cool. Uh, anything else that you want to cover before we get into um, this week's 
discussion? No. I don't have anything. All right. On the forefront of my mind to address during the master class. That's fine. We don't have to. We don't have to do it. Are you going to read for us? I can read unless you have a strong desire to do so. Not really. I'm okay. totally okay with being the one that doesn't make the reading mistakes. <laughs> I know. Yeah. It's, I'm very good at making those. So, all right. So we're at uh, Romans four and we're going to read verses one through 12 today. And we'll do our best to um, discuss those in the next uh, 45 minutes or so. Let's do it. All right. So it, I, I'm, I don't always do this, uh, but the title that has been assigned to this is Abraham Adjusted. Adjusted. <laughs> okay. First mistake right there. <laughs> Abraham Justified by Faith. So, yeah, I don't know what adjustment Abraham would need. He's going to the chiropractor. That's get, get an adjustment. So, okay. What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now the one who works... His wages are counted as a gift, but as, but as his due. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justified the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God counts the righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. Is the blessing then only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? For we say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. How then was it counted to him? Was it before or after he had been circumcised? It was not after, but before he was circumcised. He received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by the faith while he was still uncircumcised. The purpose was to make him the father of all who believed without being circumcised, so that righteousness would be counted to them as well, and to make him the father of the circumcised who are not merely circumcised, but who also walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. All right. Well, we're back on that discussion. Yeah. Did you get the circumcision counter set up so that every time I, we say the word circumcision, it, it gives us a little tally on that? I wish I could somehow make that work with Facebook. I don't think Facebook Live has a uh, integrated um, circumcision counter. Thank God. And now for those of you listening on the podcast, at some point in the future, we are doing a Facebook Live of this episode that, you know, you wouldn't know that, but now you do. Yes. Anyways. All right. <clears throat> so what then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he was, or he has something to boast about, but not before God. So here we get back into the whole discussion about justification, right? How are we saved? Why are we saved? How is it accomplished? What's the purpose? Who's involved? What are, what are all the inner workings of the things that make us right with God again? And you can listen to the last two episodes, 117 and 116, to get you know, more 
in-depth discussion on those if you if you haven't listened to them. But we're getting now to the concept of faith and works. And so I think it would be good at this point for us to define our terms here so that everyone listening knows what we mean when we say it, not necessarily what they might be expecting. Because whenever you're working with loaded terms, especially when it comes to faith and works that has been, oh, say, I don't know, a divisive issue between the Catholic and Protestant church since the Reformation. So not, not really much of a big deal at all. Um, so here's, here is what I think they mean. And then I'd love to hear your thoughts on it and then we can maybe move forward. Okay. Um, so when I think of, of faith and works in the context of justification or salvation or what Jesus was accomplishing by his death, burial and resurrection on the cross, a justification, and this even brings in the law too, why the law even existed in the first place. Um, the, the difference between a justification by faith and a justification by works is solely on, in those two views, the difference between who is earning or who is paying the price for the end result. So in justification by works, where we are trying to earn our salvation or we are trying to prove that we are worthy of salvation or that we can accomplish it even on our own in the extreme, the, the person that is accomplishing that is us, right? So when we talk about works in the context of justification, we're talking about earning, about proving, about uh, accomplishing enough, whatever that means for God to go, okay, now you're good. You have done, you know, X, Y, and Z enough times, or you've done these thousand things you have, you have, you know, met the checklist in the video game. You now get to move to the next level. Um, whereas justification by faith is Jesus accomplishing the salvation Jesus appeasing God's wrath, Jesus paying the debt that is owed to God because of our sin, Jesus being a substitution for us in that court metaphor I used last episode, where Jesus accomplishes the things that are required for God to say, clean slate, we're good, let's be reconciled. And we get to, in the craziest transaction in the universe, accept that as a gift. So through no work of ours, through no accomplishment of ours, through no proof of ours, through no deserving of ours, Jesus does this for us, offers us this gift, and we get to go, um, yes, please. And so those, that, that's the difference is in, in uh, justification through faith, it is fully on God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit to accomplish the salvation of God's people, whereas in faith or justification by works, we think we have what it takes to get it done. Mm -hmm. And that's, so that's where I'm coming from. Yes. On this whole thing. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. Would you agree or disagree or do you have? No, I, I absolutely agree. And I think that's what, um, we find unique about Christianity is there is no human ability to earn salvation, which if you look at 
any other of the world's religions, there is definitely this, this, you know, I have to make the effort to earn salvation, to experience nirvana, to, you know, move on to that, whatever the next level is. Um, and, um, you know, uh, like Islam, I mean, there's, there's the five pillars. It's like, you got to do these things and you check them off and you're good. And Christianity just does not do that. And, um, so that's, that's the, so I agree with you. And then I just think that is truly a unique attribute of, of, of our faith. And then, you know, the other thing that, that stands out to me too is implicit in a gift is you have to receive it. You have to take it. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, there, this is not a gift that everybody, um, openly accepts. In fact, most people kind of, um, stiff arm and kind of say, no, I don't want this or, yeah, uh, you know, um, so it's, it's not just a, a, a gift that's just out there and it falls on you and you have it. You certainly have to make an effort to say, I want that gift and I'm willing to, to accept it and allow God to work in my life and, and allow God to forgive me. Huh? Yeah. I guess I never really thought about people just actively rejecting it. And maybe that's that's short-sighted on my part is like I just assume if people understood like they could get past all of the like get past the history of the church where we've screwed up and done truly not great even awful things uh get past all of the current stuff that's not great that's awful uh get past all of the bureaucracy you know, get, get to what this actually says, right? Get to what Jesus came here for, get to the kingdom of God that is, that is readily available to those that choose to believe that everyone would go, if they could get to that point and go, yeah, okay, that makes sense. But I was, I'm, I'm re-listening to living in Christ's presence mm-hmm. by Dallas uh, Willard and John Ortberg. Um, as part of my little challenge. Uh, and there's one point where Dallas says he's convinced that the people that want to be in heaven will be there. And the people that are in hell are the people that don't want to be in heaven, essentially. Mm-hmm. And I just, that struck me this time around, like, why would anyone not want to be in heaven? It just really kind of threw me for a loop. Like he said, I'm convinced that nobody uh, or there will not be anyone in heaven who doesn't want to be there, which is just a weird way to put it. But that's kind of what he does is, you know, turn things on their head a bit. So it makes you think. Yeah. Like another thing he says is that, you know, God is, God is pleased to forgive our sins. He's happy to do it. It's a relief for him to get it off of his chest. And he's not some angry guy up there pointing, you did this wrong. You did that. And I was like, so anyways, that's kind of how I'm approaching all of this. Like that's, that's my state, state of mind right now. Yeah. Um, the other thing I, the older I get and the more I experience, 
um, different faith journeys of Christians. Um, and I don't want to sound pluralistic in this, and I don't want to sound like there's many ways to God. I think Jesus is the only way to God. But I think there's certainly that with with the um, what Dallas Willard is saying is, is if you want to be there, you're going to be there. And I think sometimes, well, um, in this podcast, I often will say we, and I put that as, as all Christians. So I really need to own this and just say me is I, how critical I can be of somebody else's journey, how critical I can be of someone else's convictions in the faith. And, um, I, I, I suspect because of God's incredible grace, uh, the things that I get hung up on dogma and just, you know, stupid things. Um, I, I, I suspect that God is probably has a much broader net than we do in terms of it's not about believing the right thing. It's not about doing the right thing or saying the right thing, but really about desiring him and to know him and to be in relationship with him. And, um, there's a, again, Jesus is the only way to get there and his grace is the only way to get there. But I think it looks very differently for many different people. and. Um, it's not, it's not our job to decide that. So, yeah, I have a lot to say about that, but (laughs) I guess I, all I will say is something that you said a lot on the show is God's a big God Mm -hmm. and he can handle (laughs) the differences. Right. Yeah. Um, so we'll just leave it at that for now. I think, I think that's a good way to sum up kind of where we're at. All right. So. For what does the scripture say? Uh, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. This is a really good example. And I wish I would have thought of it, right? So this whole idea of, of justification by faith versus justification by works. I earned it. I did it. I am due, I am owed this compensation versus I didn't do it. I didn't even know this was possible. This is crazy talk. This is a gift. Are you kidding me? Okay. Yes. Sign me up. Right. Like two completely different viewpoints of the same thing. Life with God reconciled. Good. Like, you know, things are, things are great. The, the justification by faith side is much more humble, much more, oh my gosh, this is incredible. How does this, how is this even possible? I didn't know. I don't deserve this, right? Coming from that point, whereas the justification by works is the I'm entitled, I've earned this, I've worked for it, you owe it to me, you can't take this from me, it's mine. You know, kind of like Gollum with the ring in, in Lord <laughs> of the Rings, like, oh, my salvation's my precious. We don't like the stupid fat hobbitses. No, we don't. <laughs> That was a terrible Gollum impression. I, but I did not want to do that to your ears because it would have been even worse if I'd actually tried to do it. Yeah. Not, not one of my, one of my impressions that I would like to hang my hat on. So let's forget it happened. But hopefully the point, hopefully the visual is there because Gollum is this wretched little creature that eats raw fish and is just 
And he's wretched because of, because of the thing that he has so idolized. Right. And you see what he looked, I mean, he wasn't a very handsome hobbit to begin with. He was truly ugly, but compare that to what he has become. And you can see the destruction of his body and his soul into becoming solely fixated on this one thing so much so that he dies with it in the end because that's all he can fix. Sorry, spoiler alert. But if you haven't (laughs) read or seen that yet, that's totally on you. I don't feel bad. It's not like I'm ruining infinity war over here. Um, but yeah, I, that might be the visual for justification by works is Gollum. Uh, That works for me in my brain. Yes. And and I think what it, what it ultimately does to us of, I think we have this perception that, you know, we become better and we become, you know, um, a super Christian and this great faith. And it's like, no, it really, there's like this atrophy that happens um, when we behave that way. So that works for me. I like it. You were looking up something. What you got? Well, you know, I, and this may be too much of a tangent, but that's what we thrive on in this <laughs> podcast, Dave. So I'm in, I'm, in, I'm in Genesis 16 and um, Sarah is still Sarai and Abraham is still Abram. Um, and it talks about uh, Sarai took Hagar, the Egyptian, her servant and gave her to Abraham or Abram, sorry, Abram, her husband as a wife. And he went to Hagar and conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, she, she looked with contempt on her mistress. And Sarai said, Abram, may the wrong done to me be on you. I gave my servant to your embrace. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked on me with contempt. May the Lord judge you and me. And uh, there's more that goes on and uh, the angel of the Lord appears to, to Abram. But even in Abram, Abraham, his righteousness, his faith being credited to him, there is still this piece of he tried to do it his own way. <laughs> Pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so... I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No. Uh, And so it it is, it's just like, and I can relate to that. I can relate to that. Oh, you can. Yes. (laughs) Well, you do tell. No, no, I've never had, (laughs) I've never, you know, hooked up with my wife's servant. So no, I can't. Well, good on you for not doing that. That would have been anyways. (laughs) Wow. Your wife has a servant? No, 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 no. I'm sorry. I don't even have a servant. I've ruined this whole thing. I'm so sorry. But my point being yes. is that we so often take it into our own hands and try to make it work out because we're not patient for God. Mm-hmm. We don't. And, and so, so I can relate to that of taking things matters in my own hand and trying to, to make it work out for me. But that's not what God points out about Abraham. That's not what mm-hmm. Paul points to about Abraham mm-hmm. in Romans four. I mean, that, what what would what would I do? I would dig up somebody's dirt and remind them of it. Yeah, I'd be like, ah, yeah, 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 he's he's a he's a you know I like the guy. He's good enough. Yeah, you know nothing. To, I don't want to talk bad about Abram. You know, but yeah, you know I'd kind of pull one of those numbers. And the reality is, is Paul doesn't do that. It's 
the dirt is left mm-hmm. and he just focuses on how God used Abraham yeah, and his faith is credited to him as righteousness. And, um, you know, obviously he, he went and took the necessary steps to, to sacrifice Isaac mm-hmm. in obedience to God, which I can't even begin to fathom that. Um, well, yeah. And you throw, it's like, you mentioned the whole patience thing. Like they were super, super old people <laughs> in their eighties. Like Sarah had zero business having a baby. Abraham was 86 when Hagar bore him Ishmael. So that means he had been even older than that. He was 89 years old. Ew. <laughs> I mean, good for him, but. He was 89 when God changed his name from Abram to Abraham. Man. So, like, I mean. Okay. <clears throat> so, that's like, I'm not even halfway there yet. Well, no, I am halfway there. Oof. <laughs> <laughs> that's scary. But consider the fact that he waited till he was 86 before he said, yep, I'm, I'm going to make this happen now. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, his 86 is probably not our 86 based on life expectancy. But still, let's just say it was 62. Not a young man, not necessarily in the uh, childbearing years right? Um, for male or female, really. Um, but the fact that he waited that long before he decided to take it into his own hands and then for God to go, OK, well, here's your real child. Or the one that I promised, I should say, Ishmael still real. Yeah. Um, oh, that's sad. I think I said 89. Yeah. It's 99. Oh, he was 99 when he changed his name. Really? Mm-hmm. Almost 100 years old. It just seems silly at that point. Again, God does things differently than we, yeah. than we would. But yeah, so to wait all that time, all of that time with this promise just kind of lingering over you, and then it's not happening, and it's not happening, and it's not happening, and it's not happening, and it finally does, and you love it, and you're embracing it, and then God goes, oh, and by the way, little secret here. I want you to take him up the mountain and sacrifice him and kill him. Yeah. Yeah. We would, I'd be so done at that point. Like, Nope. Sorry. Game over. Screw you. I'm done. Like I'm out. Let someone else be the father of the nations. Like (laughs) I have one kid and you're trying to take him from me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yes. All right. Tangent over. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So, um, just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteousness, far from works, blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. (laughs) I feel like that's something we should read every morning when we wake up. Oh, yeah. One, it kind of reminds you what you really are. But two, it also reminds you of who God really is. And it reminds me, I've, I've mentioned this multiple times on the show in the past, this, this quote from Tim Keller that I'm going to paraphrase because I can't ever nail it. Something along the lines of, we are, are greater, deeper sinners than we would ever care to admit, but God is more gracious and forgiving than we would ever care to uh, expect isn't the right word. Um, 
maybe it is. I don't know. But the idea is, is our sin is, is greater and deeper and more um, prolific than we would ever want to admit due to shame and guilt. But God is more forgiving and merciful and gracious than we would ever expect from someone given our state. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of what this verse reminds me of. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. It's just a really good reminder. I mean, that's what the justification is, right? God doesn't count our sin against us anymore. Jesus has taken it. Jesus has been our substitution. He has been the atonement that God required for the sins that we committed. And because of that, we're blessed. God does not count those sins against us. Our lawless deeds are forgiven. I just, I don't know. I think it's really good. Really, really good. I, uh, okay, so I agree. So convincingly? So convincingly. Okay, so... Yes. And like literally doing that daily is probably worthwhile. So, but this is where I'm, this obviously comes from somewhere else, right? Yeah. He's quoting David from one of the Psalms. He's quoting David from one of the Psalms. Does your Bible tell you where that is or? Uh, Yeah. Give me just a second to look it up. So, so that's, I guess I, um, Psalm 32 verses one and two. So Psalm 32 verses one and two yes. is what Paul is quoting here mm-hmm. in verses seven and eight. Correct. And um, I, I like it, that, that, I mean, exactly what you just said, this should be read every morning. Like, as you're saying that and, and we're sitting here talking, I'm like, why, why not? Like, like, I'm like, that's a great recommendation. That is a great, like how differently would our day be if that's really how we started the day, started the day yeah. and then kind of had this paradigm of, of this is how I'm going to view the world today of I am blessed because lawless, Ooh, my lawless deeds are forgiven and my sins are covered. And I think there's, there's, there could be that argument of, well, this just would give you license to go sin. Yeah. You know, and I know Paul makes that argument, Mm -hmm. but it it, it, truly as you were, you were saying this and you were sharing this, um, there was just sort of this, um, humbling uh, effect for me personally of, my sins are covered and my sins are not, and God doesn't count my sins against me. It was not my, my, my initial response was, well, I can go do whatever I want. Mm -hmm. It was, it was really kind of more this like, wow, that, that would, should make me not want to do those things. Yeah. It's almost like this grounding effect of just like, Oh, like you feel the weight of what that actually means because you know, the extent of, your lawless deeds, right? Mm-hmm. Like we all know that no one else knows. No one else, yeah. no one else knows the extent of, of what my, really of on. my sin. Only me and God know that. Not mm-hmm. my wife, not you, not my friends, other friends. You're my friend. 
<laughs> Thank you. But I feel better. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like, no one knows the extent of your sin no. more than you and God does. Not your wife, not your children, and I don't not know your that, other friends. And I don't know that I know it to the extent that he does. Correct. Okay. So let me rephrase. No one knows it to the extent that you do other than God. Right. That's a more fair accurate enough. statement. That's fair. Yeah. Cause we're always learning Justifying the and, depth or, of our <laughs> depravity. Right. Um, so yeah. So no one besides me and God will know really what's going on in my heart and in my mind Mm -hmm. and in my soul. And he'll know it better than I will, as we've said, but nonetheless, our lawless deeds are forgiven. Our sins are covered. Our sins are not counted against us because of what Christ has done. And to your point, some people might see that as an excuse to just go sin like crazy. And, and Paul talks about that in other places and I'm, we will get to it. We've mentioned it before, but I think at this point it's just time to sit in that truth and be like, huh? God knows that I could run rampant with that. God knows that I could game the system that I could take advantage of it, but I did it anyways. Hmm. And maybe we do. What do you mean? Like, I, I mean, there's, I know, I know I've done things going, well, God will forgive me. <laughs> and then I, then I do have those moments of like going, oh, is that, I shouldn't do that. And it's like, <laughs> oh my gosh, really, really? I'm so nervous. <laughs> yeah. But, but on the oh, front right. end, yeah. but on the front end, I'm like, I know this is sin. I know that I uh-huh. shouldn't do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. Right. And I will not disagree with you. I will, I will in fact say, yes, I do the same thing. Um, but I think the gravity of what that actually means. Right. I don't. Is why God did it anyways, because he realizes that. So like that response of, oh, I can get away with anything now because Jesus will, will just forgive me. That is, that is an immature response. That is a response from someone who does not quite understand the situation. Mm hmm. And oftentimes that's just immaturity. It's not, there will be some people who are devious, right? But I'm pretty confident God knows how to handle those people. It's (laughs) oftentimes the, what can I get away with? Where's the line? How far can I go? That is a childish, immature approach. And at some point we grow up and realize that we should have the opposite approach, which is, this I am blessed to be forgiven. I am mm-hmm. blessed to have a clean slate. I am blessed to be in the kingdom of God. How can I, with the time and the skills and the talent that I have, help further that or help other people realize that situation? And that just comes from experience a lot of experience for me of just being pounded against the rock of my own stupidity and my own sin, right? And I, only now. Only now am I even beginning to understand, you know, there's another way here. I don't have to be consistently pounded against my own, um, my own sin, my own issues, my own stupidity. I can, in fact, embrace what God has done for me and use the skills and the talents that he has blessed me with to like maybe try and help what he's accomplishing. Not that he needs me, but that I would want to help. Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, that's a total sh- game shifter, right? your perspective changes your your outlook on life is changed because you're not being you're not you're not um uh what's the word like having a little pity party mm-hmm. no christian should ever have a pity party we've got the best deal ever get out of jail free go pass go collect all the 200 dollars you want to do like you can all be the thimble hat or the race car or whatever <laughs> your favorite monopoly thing is the but like we have been given such a ridiculous gift that we have no business wallowing in self-pity over how awful our sin is, nor do we have the, uh, the reason that's not even English, nor should we be trying to take advantage of the deal. Right. Right. We shouldn't, we shouldn't be, Oh, we're so, we're so awful. What was me? Uh, God can't really love me. I'm truly terrible. Uh, like, some of that's true, but that has to be balanced with, well, God did it and he did it for a reason. There has to be something in me that is redeemable. There has to be something in me that God does love. There has to be something about why God did that, that puts value into me. And so we, we find ourselves in that middle area of, yes, I'm a sinner. Yes. I'm saved by grace. Let's go. Like, what can I do with the time that I have left to help other people realize God has, God has changed the game and he has provided a way for us to be with him that allows us to be free of all that crap on either side. Mm-hmm. The, the gloating, the, I can get away with murder stuff. And then the self-pity, like there are equal parts of that, but there's also this giant chunk that's just like, God's got it covered. Like, I, as you've always said, like the outcomes are out to God, right? Like, I don't have to worry about it. The burden's gone. Yeah. I don't have to deal with this crap anymore. Like, how can I bring God's love and truth and hope and grace and mercy and forgiveness and reconciliation to the people around me? Because I've got it. It's great. Enough of this other BS that we're dealing with. Like, oh, man, I'm getting excited. <laughs> well, it, it, I, one of the things I wrestle with and, and ask myself at time is, is, you know, if I really believe that my fate is in eternity mm-hmm. and this short period of time that I have here on earth is just a, you know, literally a line on an infinite line, you know? Yeah. yeah. Why is it so hard for me to not live? Like why, why wow. do I not live for eternity the way that like, if, like sitting here talking to you and I think about it, I'm like, okay, I know from a logical standpoint that my time here on this earth is so short compared to eternity in heaven. Why do I get so consumed by this? And I'm not, this is more of a rhetorical, you know, for myself of just, I, I personally feel like if I really believe what I believe, my life should be different. Yeah. And I agree with you. I, I'm going to take your rhetorical question, rhetorical question. And, um, I can't English good sometimes. I'm sorry. (laughs) Um, I think everything about this world trends towards the here and now. Like if you look at history, the history that we are at least able to read, you see things are always trending towards faster, more efficient, 
more instantly gratifying, right? Mm-hmm. We went from, you know, uh, stone and stick tomahawks to, you know, wood and metal to projectiles to nuclear bombs. That is nothing but a trend towards instant gratification. I want my enemies dead. Well, let's just go have a three-week grueling battle with stones and sticks. Or I can bomb them all in two minutes and just be done with it. So, like, even the bad stuff trends towards, let's just be done with it. Then, you you know, you have, like, the good stuff. Good. Microwaves. I don't <laughs> know. Or they might be really bad. But fast food restaurants and the internet and faster cars and the highway system and airplane travel. And now SpaceX wants to take us all to Mars. Like, everything in history has trended towards faster, more convenient, more efficient now, 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 now. And that now has shrunk from taking, you know, a ship across the Atlantic to literally a four hour flight from New York to London or five, whatever it is. And I think that because that is how the world and human nature has trended for centuries and centuries and centuries it's really easy to get caught up in that momentum that that is what is important. That progress, that speed, that efficiency, that instant gratification is what matters because I want it. I've got it. Oh, the endorphins, like we're good, but I'm not necessarily sure that like, that's, it's a good thing. (laughs) No, you know what I mean? Like patience, is a virtue for a reason. So I don't know. I had more points there, but I got lost. I started thinking about space travel and <laughs> my, my brain forgot where I wanted to go to finish that thought. But yeah, anyways, I just totally <laughs> brain fart. I, well, and I, and even that I do wonder, I just, you know, the distractions that we have today, um, are they worse than they were a hundred years ago, 500 years ago? And, you know, no. you, you, uh, you read things by like, um, I, Oswald Chambers is one that comes to mind in my utmost for his highest. And it's like, I can read even the original version, not the updated version of that and be like, Hmm, doesn't sound much different than, what I'm wrestling with today, or even C.S. Lewis that was a hundred years ago. And, oh my gosh. And his is so spot on to mm-hmm. what we are now. And you read things like the screw tape letters and it's like, I, well, and then what was the, what was the other one that was from the 15th century of, um, gosh, I, I can't remember what it was off the top of my head, but, um, it, it's the same deal. I mean, we're talking 500 years ago in the topics have they're as relevant today as they were mm-hmm. um, when it was written. So, well, and that's very telling about the human condition and how much we think we've progressed and how much we think we're different mm-hmm. and how better we think we are because of all the fancy things we have. But when it comes down to it, we're still just as broken in the exact same ways. We just get to cover it up with fancier things. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's the thing that I realized as a, I think I was in college the first time I had this realization. So I grew up in a really nice suburb of Detroit, but I grew up going to church in the city. So I kind of had both, like, you know, exposure to both worlds. And one of the things I realized 
fairly early on was that like people are people. People have the same problems regardless of how much is in their bank account, regardless of how nice their house is. The only difference is, is your scenario dictates how you get to cope with those problems. If you have a lot of money, you get to cover those problems up with nicer things. Mm -hmm. If you have less money, you might not even get to cover those problems up. But all those problems, regardless of what color you are, regardless of how much money you have, regardless of what uh, socioeconomic, you know, class you find yourself in, we all have the same problems. Like people are people are people are people always have been, always will be problems aren't going away, even though we try to medicate them with different things over the, you know, Mm -hmm. the ages and the cultures. So. Yeah. And so, um, it was the imit, the imitation of Christ. Oh, Thomas Akempis. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And literally was written in the 1400s. And you, uh, uh, like, I would challenge anybody listening (laughs) to do this, pick that up and read it. And you will be amazed at how, I mean, he even talks about fame in that and it's a devotional. Mm -hmm. And so he talks about this desire of being famous and I'm like, what? (laughs) Like 600 years ago, the issue of fame was something that people wrestled with. And, you know, so. That is interesting. Uh, We'll have links in the show notes for all of the things that we've been (laughs) throwing out there. Um, I feel like we should come back to this next time because there's still. Well, we haven't touched on the circumcision this go round, which is where we're at. Right. And I feel like we need to give that a full full discussion because we're already at almost an hour. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I don't want to shortchange that part okay, at all. So we will come back to that, uh, next episode. I'm sorry. We didn't get through everything. We got excited about a few things in there. Mm-hmm. It's all right though. Being excited is a good thing, right? Especially when it's Jesus. Mm. <laughs> oh, Jesus. No. Okay. I'm done. That's it. Show's over. Uh, show notes are, well, you know where to get them at this point. If you found the podcast, you know how to find the show notes. Um, if you want to get in contact again, links to Twitter and email are in the show notes. Seriously, just scroll down left or right. They're there. Um, want to say thank you to our patrons that help make this and every other show on super mega corp. Um, much easier to do and profitable. So thanks to Katie, Willby, and Rachel. You guys are the best. If you want more information on what it means to be a patron, click on the link that says our Patreon page in the show notes. Guys, it's all in the show notes. Like that's really, that's, <laughs> that's if all you at. ever get from this is just the show notes. Any closing thoughts? Nope. All right. Um, uh, sayonara. Appreciate you listening. Au revoir. Bye. Auf Wiedersehen. Goodbye. <laughs>